and welcome to episode 12 of the Empowerment Minutes podcast. So this is Maureen Quende, your podcast host, learning leader, researcher, leadership coach, and consultant. Last week, in episode 11 of the Empowerment Minutes podcast, set the stage on microlearning. I talked about what microlearning is and what microlearning is not, and how you can leverage microlearning in our field in the workplace. So this week, we're getting like into a deep dive about microlearning, right? Because it's really a popular topic in our field. So this week's episode is focused on microlearning, a case study approach with my two amazing guests. We have Hector Simudis, who's the founder of VP Legacies, and also Johnny Heavy, our chat about microlearning. So I would get started by asking Johnny and Hector to please uh, introduce yourself, starting with you, Johnny. Hey everyone, yeah, I'm Johnny, one of the co-founders of VP Legacies. Um, we actually are in the process of renaming and rebranding our company to be called eLearning Partners, which is really right. cool. Yeah, we, we, so Hector and I have been running VP Legacies for about six years at this point. And six years in, we decided that uh, an new name would be more fitting for what we do. So mm-hmm. uh, a, l- a little bit about me. I have a very interesting background in uh, school. I studied accounting and media and communications um, with an emphasis in film production. So I did a double major. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it was interesting because people are like, why did you do that? Like, wh- why did you study accounting and put yourself through that? <laughs> Yeah, I would say the same thing. Right, right. And then also uh, study film. And I told them, um, like, I I really see a strong future for the media industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a passion for business and really knowing how to run my own business was important mm-hmm. at times. So I actually went and worked in public accounting for little under a year. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I saw some challenges um, in the e-learning space related mm-hmm. to specifically accounting oriented continuing education. So okay. I actually signed up for a e-learning program to continue doing my continued education, my CPE credits, they call it, Um, Mm -hmm. you have to have like 80 hours every two years. And I was doing it all online. But it wasn't, it just wasn't very good. Like the content was there, the content was great. But how the delivery just didn't fit what myself or my colleagues at the time would have wanted. So that was Mm -hmm. one of the inspirations to really get into micro learning specifically. Because at least for me, I, at that time, really connected with shorter learnings Mm -hmm. and more video-based and interactive learnings, especially online. So we kind of made a hypothesis that that's where the industry would be going. This is back Mm -hmm. in 2014. And... Now, microlearning is like the hottest thing that everyone's talking about when it comes to yeah. e-learning and online education. So 
that's yeah. a little bit about me. Um, Hector and I have a very interesting story about how we met. Uh, we met the first day of college. Wow. Yes. So we met the literally the first day of college, and it was actually Hector's first day in the not not in the U.S. in Colorado. It was his first day in Colorado. First was, time ever. First time <laughs> ever. And we wow. met in a floor meeting because we lived on the same floor in the dorms. And our like the head of our floor, the upperclassmen asked everyone. He's like, "What kind of group building activities do you want to do?" <laughs> this year and hector being the very very outgoing greek that he is stands up and and says guys i think we should all go skydiving oh boy and yeah, i'm boy. like terrified <laughs> of heights and i'm in the corner and i'm like i don't know if i want to go skydiving but that guy yeah. seems really cool i want to become friends with him so mm -hmm. that's you how guys got an instant connection that's great and, and when I think about your background, you know, media and everything, and then from there, you know, your interest in microlearning, it really all comes together, right? Honestly, even though it started off with accounting, but I see how you can put everything together. So that's really nice. How about you, Hector? Well, thank you so much for asking, uh, Maureen. Uh, and also, thank you for having us on this incredible podcast. We absolutely love what you do, and it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, uh, so, you. absolutely. Uh, so, uh, my name is Hector Simunis. Um, as uh, Maureen said, one of the co-founders of BP Legacies, now transforming into e-learning partners. Um, and a little bit about my story, my background. Um, so first, I, I got to say it because I'm loud and proud of it. I am Greek, which means that if you're listening to this podcast, you may break a plate uh, because right. that's what us Greeks do, right? <laughs> uh, but um, so uh, a little bit about my story. Um, I was very blessed because I uh, was born and raised in a melting pot of culture in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. My father worked for an oil company in IT, um, Saudi Arabian oil company. And I grew up in a melting pot of culture with people from all over the world with different wow. cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, mm -hmm. name it. So right from the start, I was very exposed and saw the world in a different lens. And in addition to being born in this melting pot of culture, Maureen, I also had the opportunity to travel around the world. That's another big mm -hmm. blessing that I had. And right. my favorite experiences were traveling through developing countries. And that's what really shaped me who I am today. And I knew some of the experiences that I had through those travel, uh, through those travels um, would lead me to what I do today. So um, the story that I like to share, Maureen, is that I was in uh, the country of Cambodia. We were in a tourist location. Multiple mm -hmm. tour groups were there from different parts of the world. Um, and all of a sudden, about 15 to 20 kids local to the region, no shoes, ripped shirts, came running up to us. Yeah. And they weren't asking for money. In perfect English, what they were asking was, where are you from? And whenever a group would say the name of the country, they would immediately respond without hesitation, the capital city of that country. So when a group wow. would say England, they would say London. When they would say France, they would say Paris. And it was a very beautiful sight to see because what ended up happening was our tour guide turned to us and said, you see to these kids, education is everything. It's their way yeah. out where they are, but it's also a way for them to reinvest in their communities to help their communities thrive. And Absolutely. I fell in love with that morning because part two of the education story, I grew up with all sorts of learning differences and dyslexia, 
Um, the school that I went to for high school, you could not be accepted into unless mm -hmm. you had learning differences, specifically dyslexia. And that was another blessing because I had a family that could financially support me and mm -hmm. emotionally support me as well. And I knew, Maureen, that I wanted to give back. I knew that education yeah. was very important to me. Um, and I wanted to give back through my favorite channel, which is entrepreneurship. Um, yeah. When I was in Saudi Arabia, I started an American candy shop. When I was going to boarding school, I brought Middle Eastern products to the United States to sell. I always had that entrepreneurial bug. And the other massive blessing I got was meeting Johnny on the first day of school, where <laughs> ultimately our friendship grew, our love for business and entrepreneurship grew, yeah. uh, which led us to where we are today. That's quite an incredible journey. Um... You know, I, I watched a movie uh, way back in the days called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> yeah. And I had, yeah, I had a you know opportunity to learn about that culture and it was just really amazing. I was like, these people are so happy and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time together. So I can imagine how much love you carry with you, regardless from, you know, from your upbringing. So that's really, that's really great. And the passion for education, specifically e-learning and micro-learning that we're focusing on. So um, you know, for our listeners out there, I've met um, Hector and Johnny. They just have a contagious personality. I can talk with them forever. That's that's just the kind of connection we have. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about what they're doing, especially to our learning community. So according to the ATD report, uh, microlearning is one of the five learning trends for 2021. And it's not just ATD report, like many other sources out there. So when it comes to microlearning, the learners can engage in bite-sized bursts of content where they are able to focus better and boost knowledge retention, right? Johnny mentioned how he used to watch videos and he was really attached to microlearning that way because that kind of like shows it's his preferred learning style, right? When designing microlearning, a process or methodology is used usually to go about it. So I would just ask Johnny first, like how can, you know, if you can walk us through your process and methodology, I know you guys, you know, do provide e-learning for your clients. So think about your favorite microlearning client you know what's the process that you usually go through when designing microlearning so it's going to help someone who has not designed microlearning before like okay what's the process is there even a process or how how do they go about it then they can learn how to do that if they want to perfect yeah the um first of all when you look at e-learning as a whole it can just e-learning as a whole can be a really complicated topic so yeah to break that down first Really, e-learning is made up of three things. And this goes for micro-learning too, because micro-learning is mm -hmm. a, it can be looked at as a subsector of, of e-learning, even though you- Yes, that's, that's true. I talked to, about it last week yeah. in my podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. a even, form of e-learning, yeah. yeah. Even though you could technically do micro-learning offline too, it's just mm -hmm. not as common. So when you look at e-learning or micro-learning, you really break it down into three parts. The first part is content. Mm -hmm. The second is technology. And the third is distribution of the learning. So right. when you're looking at content, when you're looking at content specifically for micro-learning, what you're looking at is breaking down your content into the least common denominator. Yeah. So it goes back to elementary school when we first learned our division tables and uh, how 
we also were looking at uh, fractions for the first time. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what the whole goal was is what is the least common denominator that different numbers had in common? Yeah. So, for example, how traditional learning has really gone is usually have a topic that is one to two hours long to teach. Or in college, you'll even have lectures that are four hours long. Well, the first part of the process is taking that one to two hours or even if it's four hours, whatever it is. But if it's one to two hours, you most likely actually have 10 to 25 pieces of microlearning content just in that one to two hour lecture. Yeah. And it's mathematical. So here's how we get there. We get there by defining microlearning as a piece of content that is less than 10 minutes long. Now, five years from now, the definition may be less than five minutes. It may be less than three minutes. Micro learning, or maybe that'll be nano learning. I think that's what they did with <laughs> Apple, right? They came up with like yeah. the nano. Like I think they came up with like the iPad nano or something. Yeah, I remember. Um, right? Yeah, I think they had the mini and then they had the nano. So at some point, we'll probably have nano learning. But but anyway, it's a mathematical equation then. So if you have two hours of content, then the minimum number of micro learning segments that you have is 12 Mm -hmm. because two hours 60 minutes in an hour that's 120 minutes divided by 10 you have 12 pieces of content now you're not going to force content into like 10 minutes though so now what you really got to start looking at is how many topics am i covering over two hours and yeah lectures are usually built on like one kind of overarching topic but you're going to have numerous subtopics supporting that so i mean in traditional academia you usually have like a a main topic and then you're going to have at least three supporting topics to drive home point well yeah exactly so you already have probably you can already break that two hours down into three segments just because you have three subtopics now Yet again, traditional academia, you probably have three points, major points within each of those three subtopics. Mm-hmm. So now you already have nine pieces of content. So how do you get to 12? Well, add an intro, add an outro, and then you probably, honestly, some topics are going to take more than three points to support. So that's how you get there. Now, when we're looking at length of content, when you're looking at long, uh, longer pieces, so pieces that are closer to the 10 minute mark, mm-hmm. really, that's going to be your more technical content. That's going to be when you're talking about mathematics or you're talking about computer science um, or anything in, in that, round, that realm where you need a little bit more time to drive home a, a single topic. Now, when we're talking about more soft skills, mm-hmm or more liberal arts related topics. Yeah, you probably wanna be closer to the three to five minute range. Now, to back up again, e-learning and micro-learning are made up of three things, content, technology, and distribution. We just talked about content. Technology, really when you're looking at technology related to e-learning and micro-learning, what the, the, the shortcut here is you should match the user experience and user interface mm-hmm. that people are used to every day. And I know we're going to talk about this a little later on in the podcast, but think about the technology that 
people use every day, different social right. medias, different ways to find information. So that could be Google, YouTube, and we're going to talk about different social medias a bit later on in the podcast. But think about that. And that's what, when you're looking at micro learning, well, that's why our learners want micro learning, first of all, is because that's what they're used to ingesting on a day to day basis. Absolutely. Yeah. So then the last point here becomes distribution. Now, this is a point that people kind of put on the back burner or they don't make it as important when looking at e-learning and micro-learning because they're like, okay, well, let's build the content. We got our bite-sized chunks, our 10 to 25 pieces that make up what used to be two hours of content. We have our technology, so we know we're going to match the user interface here. But unless you get what you've created in front of your learners, it doesn't create value for anyone. Mm-hmm. So if you're building micro learning internally for your organization, that may be a little easier than if you're selling micro learning as a product because your employees, theoretically, it's easier to implement a micro learning mm-hmm. program internally to get your employees to opt into. With that being said, there's plenty of e-learning programs out there that employees never opt into and companies spend a ton of money to produce them and then employees never opt into them. So when you look at distribution, you really, distribution is probably the most important of the three, even though you can't distribute anything if you don't have content or technology. Mm -hmm. So to wrap all this together, content, technology, distribution, people will probably ask like, where do I start? So our, our, our listeners out there are probably asking, well, where do I start? Well, the starting place is you focus on your learner. So you ask your learners, you ask your learners what they want and you go based off that. Absolutely. I mean, you said it so well, like, I mean, I'm not going to add anything to that. That's, that's amazing. And uh, um, it's a great way of breaking it down, you know, to getting down to nitty gritty for whoever's listening. It's it's just great. So I know you touch about touch, touch on the question about the, the length of micro learning, you know, and that's a question I was going to ask Hector, but uh, I would just still check with Hector what his thoughts are, because um, many people always ask the questions, how long micro learning should be when we think about micro learning as bite sized chunks of information, then how long should it be? Is there a specific length of you know, time where it should, it should be 10 minutes, five minutes? You know, you just mentioned that it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be three minutes. Uh, and do you agree? Uh, do you agree with uh, Johnny Hector? Yeah, I on that. Uh, that that is a very great question. And from the length perspective, oh, I absolutely agree with Johnny. Now, here, here's the answer, though. The length micro learning should not be defined by. Well, let me let me rewind. Micro learning, of course, length has a big say. Mm-hmm. But the way you define how long your micro learning should be is based on your learners. Yeah. Because every learner is going to be different. If we're talking to the Generation Z, we're talking maybe one to two minutes, right? Now, again, if we're doing technical content or whatnot, we'll see that that is a little bit longer. But again, mm-hmm. that's the type of learner. So who is your learner, right? What are you teaching them? And that is definitely going to impact the length of content. We have seen micro learning be one minute, three minute, five minute. But like Johnny said, no more than 10 minutes. Once when we get more than 10 minutes, we're not in micro anymore. We're starting, if you are approaching 10 minutes or go over 10 minutes, 
you can probably, like Johnny was talking about, you could probably break that into two different pieces, right? Yeah. You know, so, and, and that's, and, and that's the big thing. It's about your learner, right? It's about the learner and what learning experience they're looking for. And really you're only getting to that five to 10 minute space. Like Johnny was saying, if mm -hmm. we're talking manufacturing or, you know, technical trainings or engineer trainings or health trainings, where that specific module needs that amount of time to explain that one point. That's that's amazing. You know, when when you think about it, there's really no hard and fast rule about the duration. Um, you know, it all depends on the learner. And uh, although most people usually stick with a five minutes mark or less, but then you know it depends on um, what the learner is about and what the content is about too. So when it comes to types of micro learning, I remember Johnny saying that he used to like watching videos, you know, like a form of micro learning and, and me too, I, I, I'm always on, you know, binging on, on uh, YouTube, trying to learn a skill. And, you know, I also like job aids among many others. Now the younger generation, they like different things, right? They like TikTok, you know, among others. So in your experience with your clients, you know, what do they prefer to use? Johnny, do you want to tell us, you know, and how do you go about determining what type to design for your clients? I know you've touched it, touched on this before, but uh, if you have anything to add, that would be great. Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit when we dug into kind of content technology distribution and, mm -hmm. and Hector brought this up too of what happens is when anyone is looking to build an e-learning program or a micro-learning program, we tend to stress ourselves out trying to figure out like what technology should I use? What, how long should the piece of content be? Well, the shortcut, which we started to talk about is let's look at who your learner is. So if your learner is 20 years old, then you probably want to look at micro learning platforms or the actual technology of e learning and micro learning that are similar to TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. And other apps that 20 year olds are using nowadays. Mm -hmm. So that could be anything. Because what ends up happening when you get to the distribution phase, if you put a technology in front of your learners that they are not used to, or that they, they don't like the user experience, mm -hmm. then the content's not going to matter. So the shortcut here is don't look at it as what micro learning platforms are out there and what's the best one. Look at it as what technology is my target market using and what micro learning platform is close enough matching that. Mm -hmm. So a client example, we have um, an amazing client in the irrigation industry right. and their learners are technicians that work for them. Now, these technicians, some of them are very technical, others are more customer service mm -hmm. oriented. And most of them are um, in the, their 20s and 30s, 
So when we started our engagement with them, we asked a few questions uh, related to that, what we at least believed would be important for the learners. Mm -hmm. And they took these questions, brought them to their learners. And what we really figured out is it, it's important to have a technology that is mobile friendly right. and that can be accessed without internet access. Because right. when you're a technician going to someone's house to fix their sprinkler, mm -hmm. you may not always have internet access. And it may not be the right thing to do to ask the owner of that um, of that mm -hmm. household if you could jump on their internet. If for some reason you don't have like 5G and your training isn't coming in. Well, where I'm going with this is the platform that we help them implement with micro learning content that we developed with them on the platform mm -hmm. is available mobily and also is downloadable onto the phone, just like how you can download movies and shows yeah. and host them locally on your Netflix app very similar. So we matched that user interface. The other thing that the app did is it matched the interface of uh, Instagram, of Instagram. So what's really cool is now these technicians can be at a job site and have a question about a specific type of sprinkler head or a specific valve or a timer. And they can literally go into the the LMS, the technology of the, the platform, and they can search their question, kind of like any one of us would take our phone and, and search on Google or YouTube, or even on mm -hmm. social media, sometimes we search for, for answers. So right. they're used to that experience. We match that user experience. So they go and they can search. And what will come up is all the micro learning information about their question and this question yeah and when you're at a client site you don't have an hour to sit through you, you don't have time to sit through an hour of content to try and find yeah. your answer this is another reason why it's so important to get least to get the least common denominator yeah. because it allows you to retrospectively search and find your answers and only have three minutes or five minutes to go and get your answer instead of going through an hour of content and trying to scrub through it in in the moment trying to get your answer so mm -hmm. now the text can get their answer right away and perform the job right on site even if they have forgot certain certain technical things about certain sprinkler heads and whatnot and you can apply this to anything but that is a, a one example of how we uh, very successfully were able to help um, our one of our clients, an irrigation client, with their microlearn. That's a very interesting approach, and uh, it's quite fancy, I would say. And and I'm going to ask at some point if you know any of our listeners who who would like to experience maybe just as a snippet or bite size of your microlearning courses, how they can find you. If you'd like to share with them, maybe that's something that maybe you, if you're willing to share, that's fine. If there's a link, we have uh, show notes 
you know, where I'm going to ask if I can uh, put your information there. If someone would like to have this conversation with them, with you guys, I hope you, you will be willing to share as well. But I want to talk about the challenges of microlearning. So my, microlearning, even though it's great, it has its own challenges. So have you experienced any challenges with microlearning with any of your clients? And, you know, how did you go about it and how, uh, what did you learn from it? Um, the question is for Hector. Sure. Yes, Maureen. Um, that's a great question. Um, and I would say probably the, the biggest challenge that I've seen with microlearning is, how, how do I say this? Um, educating our prospective clients the importance of microlearning. Mm -hmm. Change is hard. Change is hard. And when you look at e-learning and the way that online learning has been done over the last several years, you know, over the last decade or so, it's been in very long formats, mm -hmm. PowerPoints, you know, very, you know, just not about the learning. So I would say one of the biggest challenges has been really educating that microlearning is the right way to go. And not just the right way to go, but the way that you embrace and implement microlearning because everybody's used to what everybody's used to just creating things yes right let's just put things <laughs> together let's put a design together and that's it but there's no system there's no process and more importantly maureen there is no focus on the learner you know think about a think about a stage a, 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 let, let's say you're you know at a at a broadway musical show right think about the spotlight right the whole yeah. stage is there but the spotlight is on where the audience should be focusing. Bringing that analogy into online learning and micro learning, the spotlight is on the wrong thing, right? It needs Absolutely. to be the right thing. And the right thing is making it about your learner and understanding what your learners want. So the way that we have tackled that challenge is by communicating and showcasing to our clients not just through our results, but through our experiences, what happens when you do listen to the learner and what happens when you create micro learning respective to your learner and what they want Absolutely. and looking at those results. And that's what's starting to shift and making the challenge a little bit easier to tackle, allowing for individuals to be more open, more open to change, more open to doing things that maybe they're not 100% comfortable with just yet. First, explaining and educating why micro learning and focusing on the learning learner is important, and then showcasing real stories, real examples that are happening right now as we speak, that by embracing these principles, a business was completely changed. So I would say that's been the biggest challenge, but you know, it, it is getting better because since micro learning is now the buzzword, people are starting <laughs> to get more comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just cannot agree even more because that's what we say all the time as a learning expert it's about the learner it's not about this this thing that you're learning about that you just want to put in place that's where the spotlight should be it should be on the learner that's just amazing i hope anyone who's out there you're not designing the learning for yourself it's about the learner and make it make it about them and uh that's where you know you you would be um, on the right track so thank you so much hector and i'm going to ask you hector again if our learners would like to contact you or Johnny, how can they do that? The best way to contact us, Maureen, and we love meeting new people, building relationships. That's what we're all about. Um, so first you can go to our LinkedIn, please connect with us. Um, mm -hmm. So Johnny Haiti on LinkedIn, Hector Samudis on LinkedIn. 
Um, also, uh, please don't hesitate to reach, uh, reach out to us via email, um, hector at vplegacies.com, johnny at vplegacies.com. We would love to connect with you, put some time on the calendar, learn more about you, your goals, your dreams, and give you any advice and support that we can give you. So I want Johnny to wrap us up. We'll come to the end. And uh, we always end our podcast with our signature question. What does empowerment mean to you as a learning expert or learning designer, Johnny? Would you want to wrap us up with that answer? Yes, the um, empowerment is so important. And little story that we like to tell people is I think everyone gets in their heads that we have to guess what the next big thing is for our target market. And the reason is because there's been some amazing entrepreneurs over the years, right? like Steve Jobs, (laughs) who specifically has said multiple times that you have to give consumers what they want but they don't know what they want. Like, that's what he said. And I think people interpret that wrong because the reason why Steve Jobs said that is because he had so much data and was so in tune with who his customer was. Mm -hmm. He knew what they wanted. He knew that people were tired of having very complex computing systems. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to see all the back end. There was a ton of data that supported that. Right. But there wasn't a computer created yet that simplified all that and had the user interface so that you don't have to worry about all that back end coding. Mm-hmm. You can apply this to when you're building a course for your learners. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, you you can't guess what your learners want to learn. They will tell you, especially if you're building internal internal learning content for your company. Right. Building a sales program, a micro-learning sales program for your sales department without figuring out what the biggest problems your sales staff, your frontline sales staff are having is going to end up being a waste of time, money, and it's going to stress you out. Mm -hmm. So what you really need to do is figure out what the problems are. And then the delivery mechanism may be something they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. It's a similar thing to what Steve Jobs did, figure out what the problems are. And then the solution was something that people hadn't seen before but you're not trying to like guess what they want. You know what they want. The solution may just be different from what they've seen before as a delivery mechanism. So you are empowering your learners by finding out what they want. That's really all it takes when, when, you're, when you're building micro learning, it's all about the learner. And all you have to do is ask them what they want and that will empower you and them by doing that. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's a mic drop right there. I love that. I love that, Johnny. That's amazing. You know, I love Steve Jobs. One of my favorite quotes 
um, from Steve Jobs is be a yardstick of quality. You and meeting ever since I've met uh, you and Hector, you guys so just don't do any work. You do quality work because you're putting your your learners first. You're putting your clients first. And I'm just so you know passionate about what you guys do. And thank you so much for what you we've shared today on the podcast. And I know our learners would really be excited about you know this podcast. So thanks everyone for listening in. And of course, I look forward to your comments and your feedback, and I will see you in the next one. Thanks for stopping by. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys.